Hello and welcome to the programme. You can visit the website anytime you like, rte.ie forward slash Mooney. As always, a very busy programme ahead of us tonight. Let's say hello to the panel, starting in Greystones with Niall Hatch. Hello, Niall. Hi, Derek. Uh, nice to be talking to you after all the excitement of the horse show there last week. It was a lot of fun. It was fantastic. And well done again to Team Ireland. The Aga Khan Trophy or the Aga Khan Cup, the Nation's Cup. Aina Neelan is in Terenure. Aina. Good. How are you doing, Derek? I'm here in Terenure indeed. Delighted with myself. I had a great day yesterday. I was out in Malahide in Richard Collins's neck of the woods. Oh, did you call in to say hello to Richard? I was much too busy. I had my five-year-old grandson and my 70-something-year-old husband, granddad and grandson, and we were up in Malahide Castle, which is a wonderful place. We went to the butterfly greenhouse where loads of butterflies were flying around. He was fascinated with them. And then we went on the fairy trail, which was a big guided tour all around the grounds, walked the legs of the poor little fellow. There were about 15 clues and we had to get every single one of them. And then we went down to the Fry's Railway and there were more clues there and we had to find a missing penguin. Lord, we were full of excitement. <laughs> and then we had to see the rock pools. So there wasn't time to be visiting Richard Collins. And, we can and, do that and, any old Dare day. I ask how your husband fared with all these clues? <laughs> Excuse me, my husband is grand, not a bother on him. He was doing mighty. He was filling in. He, he had the pencil. He had to fill in the missing words. So we were a team. We were a wonderful team. Tell, what, what's your grandson's name? Archie. Archie. Well, good man, Archie. And Aidy, you'd highly recommend it to our listeners if they find themselves in North County, Dublin? I certainly would. Archie is on his last week before we start school. He's starting school next Wednesday. Can you remember when you started school, Derek, or is that so long ago? Or did you ever go to school? I did for a couple of days, ain't it? But I tell you, it's so long ago I don't remember. I can barely remember yesterday, to be perfectly honest. Well, anyway, it's a big moment going off to school. So he's having a week of adventures with his grandparents before he goes. And we'll be glad when he goes to school and we stop having these adventures. Well, good luck to all the parents and the grandparents who have a little one going off to school for the first time next week. Richard, you're always singing the praises of Malahide Castle. I am indeed, yes. It's a lovely place. It's a lovely amenity. And the Fry Model Railway is lovely. And I also remember my first day at school vividly. I went into the school and there were these desks and I thought you sat on the the desk where you write, where you put the book and put your feet on the chair. And that's I'm very disappointed to discover that you sat down and you were supposed to work on the, the desk. But I'll always remember that, that and as vividly as if it were yesterday. And I was four at that stage. I don't remember the first day, but I certainly remember that we had inkwells in the desk. Now, I'm 55. I presume your desks had inkwells also, Richard. Oh, yes, I had inkwells uh, right through the National School. And it was a a considerable offence to blot one's copybook. And the teacher went around and filled up the inkwells. And if you dropped the pen, the the nib of it would be damaged. And you had to pull the, the old nib off and put a new nib on. And there was a little groove on the desk so mm, that the pen... For the pen, yeah, so it wouldn't roll off the desk. Because the I desk were at a slant, weren't they? And you could they lift were, them up and slanted. store your books inside. Yeah, they were. I'm getting a lump in my throat talking like this, Derek. You know, I'd be modelling in a minute. But That's OK. It's, yeah, I'm it's sure, part of I'm growing sure. up, ain't I? I presume your desk were the same. 
my desks were where no, the lid didn't lift up. We just put the things in underneath them. But I went to the old school and the old school when I, I went to school at the age of three because I was a precocious young one. I wasn't four until October. And so I went off at the age of three and I couldn't I couldn't believe how stupid everybody else was. Nobody could write. They wouldn't give you a pencil. And I had my own pencil in my own school bag and took it out and wrote with it. So I was very disappointed in school altogether. I thought it was going to be, I don't know, hugely more than I was doing at home. But I suppose if your father was the master and your mother was very well up as well, I had to go to school. I must have been a precocious brat. I'm sure the teacher hated me. <laughs> Richard, your parents were teachers as well, weren't they? They were, yes. And I went to my mother's school. Uh, my father Ooh. taught in a different school. But on the wildlife side, there were rats in the school. And the caretaker used to catch them in cage traps. I remember that was my introduction to wildlife in a sense. Do you remember your days, Niall? Oh, I do, absolutely. Some some good, some bad. Uh, I must admit, we did have some of those uh, old-style desks when I was in school that we didn't use the inkwell, so these big holes in the desk that nobody knew really what they were for. We did have the storage space underneath, but I learned pretty quickly not actually to put anything under there or not even to put my hand under there because they were full of mouldy apples and rotten sandwiches and chewing gum and all that. So, uh, But that was just the first couple of years I was at school and then the desks were replaced with more modern ones and we always used biros. Uh, I do remember as well, wildlife around my school was, was, was pretty good. I went to school in Monkstown and I remember very vividly when I was quite young seeing my first ever waxwing uh, on a berry bush in the school grounds. I was just blown away with this exotic bird that I'd, prior to then I'd only seen in, in, in the, the bird book that I had at home. So that was actually one of my, my first ever introductions to the world of exotic migratory birds and it kind of always stuck with me that. It was really, really nice. We, we, we had rats in our school too but we were we made so much noise at school that the rats didn't come out they only came out in the evening time when we'd all gone home and um, I remember we, did, we got a new school in 1957 and the old school had the floor taken up and all underneath the whole floor was all rat runs and everything else it's no wonder we didn't all die of bubonic plague honest to goodness things are much different now and much more hygienic if there was a rat to be seen near a school anywhere the whole place be closed for a month. We were made of stern stuff then, weren't we, Richard? Well, we were responsible for the rats in a funny sort of way because everyone was given a lunch going to school and a bottle of milk for a lunch hour, you see. So, But some of the boys didn't like what they were given and they didn't like the milk. And they went to a shore and they poured the milk down the shore and they dumped the sandwiches or whatever it was there. And of course, the rats thrived on this. So we induced the rats in a sense. All we wanted in those days was sweet things that destroy our teeth, which indeed they did in my case. However, that's another story. Anyway, talking about schooling, the whole purpose of it is to develop as a person, but probably and most importantly, to learn. And Aina Launa, you're all about education and learning. And I see that you've got another new book, Aina. It's hardly a year since the last one, Our Wild World, was published. You've been busy. What's this one about? This one, Derek, is called Wild and Wonderful, Around the World with Aina. And in fact, it's probably a prequel, if you like, to Our Wild World. Our Wild World, the one I wrote last year, was about how the world worked. But this one, Wild and Wonderful, is, I suppose, how I how I learned about all of this, the places I've been to and the things I saw way back in the 70s and 80s and 90s when we could do this kind of thing and travel and not have, have the knowledge that we have now, how bad travelling is mm. for the world. Now, we did a series on Radio Aina some years ago called uh, World Wild. Have you mentioned that, our trip to Costa Rica? 
Indeed, I have mentioned our trip to Costa Rica. You're in it warts and all, Derek. But Costa Rica was a tropical rainforest, as we know. And I have other forests in it too. I have the wonderful exotic forests in New Zealand, whereas on the other side of the world, on the other hemisphere, I wasn't able to recognise a single thing in the woodland which was native to those woods. Southern beaches, different birds, wonderful mosses, the New Zealand fern with the silver back. That was a wonderful experience. And of course, I'm describing as well being in North America, looking at the forests of the giant redwoods, both on the biggest ones, which were beside Yosemite Park and the tallest ones, which were Jan Weir Park, way up on the on the coast north of San Francisco. So to be able to see these wonderful forests now, knowing as we do about how endangered they are from climate change and from 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 being burnt and that it was. So I'm describing through my eyes, I mean, not a hugely, it's not a science journal as such, but it's what I saw when I was there in those forests. So I have a couple of chapters on that, which I hope people will like to read. Now, I see you've included your trips to Africa, to Rwanda, Ethiopia and Eritrea. Can you even visit Eritrea? Well, no, you can't visit, you or I, anybody can't visit Eritrea without getting special permission. But I got special permission as an agricultural advisor, you'll be glad to know, because I was going with Vita, who are a, an aid organisation, and they were helping the, the people, indeed in Ethiopia and in Eritrea, to be able to look after themselves. And the idea we were going there was to look at where the rains, which would come for six weeks and would fill up the rivers and the rivers would hold the water and it would go down to the wells underneath. This thing had all come in a fortnight, lashed into the same amount of rain in a fortnight, whooshed all down the rivers and was gone. So the, the idea was that if, if they built dams, like, like steps of a ladder along their river, this would hold back the water and actually retain it so that it would go down naturally into the into the wells underneath. So we were inspecting those dams. So I was, I was considered to be a, an agricultural inspector as well. So I was able to come along and walk on the dams and of course I was looking at the difference between one side of the dam where the water was and the other side where it was completely barren and arid and I went to Rwanda as well because Mm. I had raised money there thanks to you Derek well not thanks to you I suppose really do you remember when we started off being on the air on Fridays and you were teaching us so we all had to learn something new and I was supposed to learn how to sing God love me (laughs) (laughs) and I sang I know an old lady who swallowed a fly and somebody heard it and thought this would make a great record and it truly was brought out and it was number one that Christmas only they don't count such things as charity records as number one anyway it raised 60 grand and the government of Ireland put another 60 grand to it so we had 120,000 then for the people of Rwanda to put water into it was like as if you had Dublin and Bray no water in Bray water in Dublin and the reason why there was no water in Bray because there were no pipes Mm. so Jitarama was getting pipes put into it with the money that I had raised on that and then when it all was opened and all ready to go I was invited out to open open the water and um, you know and they were so grateful that they were able to have water there so it was very interesting to see Rwanda 11 years after the genocide after the troubles and how the country was so very small for an African country it's the size of Munster it's really tiny 11 million people living there so a different world again to see and I'm explaining this in my book as well Aina, there was an old woman who swallowed a fly. I don't know why she swallowed a fly. Oh, I know, and the poor kids. They, they, <laughs> the poor children there, they, they were on 
honouring me by singing my song, you see. But the poor kids didn't speak English. It wasn't their native tongue at all. It might have been French, but certainly it was never English. And I, I'm trying to stagger through the 16 verses of this. I was only sorry I hadn't sung Row, 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 Your Boat Gently Down the Stream. It would have been easier for the kids, wouldn't it? Anyway, we'll listen to it a little bit later on. Now, you've got a chapter titled The View from the Top. What's that all about? Well, it's not the view from the top of the Himalayas, that's for sure, anyway. No, no, no. I was just um, looking back. You know, you always say, well, if I was in charge, I'd do this. And if I was in charge, I'd do that. And why aren't people doing this, that and the other? So anyway, I suppose I got my moment, well, kind of on the top anyway. I was president of Antashka for five years and just be over the over the crash in, at that time from 2004 to 2009. That was an interesting one. And then I'd be on programmes then and it would be like a blood sport because in the interest of balance, no matter what you were coming on to talk about in favour of the environment, there had to be somebody who thought it was a bad idea to be against it. And of course, one, I didn't listen to what was being said to me by the opposition and the opposition didn't listen to a word I was saying to them because the whole point of this was to actually speak to the constituency that was listening, not to make anyone change their minds. Although I was mischievously tempted at one point to say, God, I never thought of that. That's true. Trees are a terrible nuisance. We should cut them all down or something. I should actually agree with who the protagonist was, but I I never did get round to doing that. Anyway, the book is called Wild and Wonderful and it's published by O'Brien Press and is available now in all good bookshops. I'm pretty you can probably buy it directly from their website as well. I don't know, can they in it? Yeah, can, they can, of course. I mean, everybody can buy everything online now, yeah, so you can it's done, go online yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Well, good, good for you. How many books have you done to date? This is probably number six or number seven. I'm in the middle of doing more as well too, but I can't tell you about those yet. Ah, sure, it's something to be doing to while away the long evenings. Gary. It is, but would you ever consider writing an autobiography? <laughs> Who wants to know how I live? No, I See, now, Anna, every future Uchtaran the Heron must have a biography. <laughs> I've had enough time being Uchtaran the Von Paschke. That'll do me now, thanks. <laughs> oh, I can see it. I can see it. I can feel it in me waters, Anna. Richard, you've never written a book about wildlife, have you? No, Derek, I haven't. But I, in my defence, I would point out that I have written over a thousand articles for the examiner alone. I publish an article every week. I've done so for 23 years. Never missed a week in all that time. There's an enormous quantity of stuff there. In my defence, I would put that up. I have done enough writing through that medium. Yeah, yeah. You forgot to mention who your predecessor was in that article, Richard. Who was it? It was me. <laughs> oh, you, that's right, you were... Oh, sorry, Derek. I mean, oh, what? Oh, my God. That's all right. You're forgiven, mm. Niall Hatch. Will you really forgive me? Yeah, Niall. Yes, Derek. Yeah, it's very interesting hearing about all these uh, these scholarly tomes and all this writing. Um, I haven't written any books myself as yet, but I do uh, enjoy very much editing Birdwatch Ireland's magazines and publications, which is sort of good, good experience in that area. I'm really looking forward, Aina, to, to, to reading your new book. Your last one was absolutely cracking. Particularly interested, by the way, I see that you're, you have um, some reminiscences in there about your experience as a diver, which I'm particularly keen to find out more about Oh yeah, there's a whole world under the sea as well and I was I really love diving it's the nearest thing to flying Niall because you're weightless and you, when you want to go up you go up when you want to go down you go down and the Irish waters around the coast were full of wildlife particularly on the west coast and then I did a bit in the Mediterranean a bit in the Red Sea and Dublin Bay actually got cleaned up while I was my diving career at one point when we started diving if you put out your hand you couldn't see your fingers it was so dirty but then with the you know the, the improvement of the sewage 
damaged conditions and the, the removal of that, Dublin Bay got really much cleaner. So that was good to notice in that. And of course, then to go and see exciting things like 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 barracudas and all kinds of things like that. That, that was great as well. So diving, yes, it's door, good. I think there's somebody at your door. I can hear your doorbell going. Aina's book, details on our website, rte.ie forward slash Mooney. 